You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. My intention is to share with you simple tips and tricks that will make a huge difference in your home, as well as giving you all the support and encouragement you deserve to enhance your parenting experience. I've created this safe place for us to explore the issues and concerns that matter to you bringing you clarity and solutions with Q&A sessions and inspirational conversation with world-renowned experts in a variety of fields. I'm a firm believer that parenting was never meant to be done alone, and I'm here to debunk the general consensus that it has to be hard. A warm welcome to you, and thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome back to The Art of Parenting. This is your host, Jeanne-Marie Pennell. And today I have our lovely guest named Sarah Peck. And Sarah uh, is going to be speaking with us about parenting, pregnancy, and work business. Uh, she is the founder of Startup pregnant.com which i love the the title for me when i first saw the title i thought oh okay so we start out parenting pregnant okay that makes sense but no it's about startups and pregnancy and and parenting and all of that so i'm very excited to have this conversation with sarah and sarah thank you so much for making the time today to be with us and sharing your wisdom with our listeners oh, i'm so glad to be here thanks for having me Alrighty. So I like to always start with my uh, preferred question, which is how do you define the art of parenting? <laughs> mm, good one. <laughs> yeah, my, my partner and I have a good, a good answer to that. We always say um, uh, good enough. Good enough. Mm, parent, parenting for us, all you have to do is be a good enough parent. There is no such thing as a perfect parent. No. Yes, no, that's right off the bat is, is perfect because there is no perfect parent and there is no perfect child. It's about showing up. So, yes, thank you for that. Um, so tell us a little bit about kind of yourself, your background and how you came to create the company and, and do the work that you're doing. Oh, sure. Uh, I'm the mom to two little ones. I have a three and a half year old and a one year old little guy, both little little dudes the second one is so cute i love him so much he's just chunky and round and delicious and so so happy to be alive um and i love them dearly and i adore writing and working i just like making things in the world i have always loved this i have a fierce independent streak and so I, when I was way back in school, I got degrees in psychology and architecture and landscape architecture. Um, and then it's been a while, you know, there have been, uh, more, there's been more than a decade of learning and growth and building my own practices and writing and communications. I ended up working at a venture-backed startup where we taught people how to code and how to build websites and apps. And while I was at that company, I got pregnant. And I realized very quickly that the world of work, especially the world of startups, had no idea what to do with a pregnant person. Mm. They had no clue 
you know, like, what do you mean you you have to stop work at 7 p.m.? And I said, you know, it's not me, but I will start vomiting at 7.30 if I am not flat on my back in bed. I had some pretty severe all-day sickness. Morning sickness is such a weird, strange term for what can be all-day sickness. And then I realized that people didn't know what to do with parents either. Like the world of work and the world of parenting are just not aligned. And we are only really just starting, it's amazing, but in 2020, just starting to understand how to change and shift the way that we show up to work because the landscape of family is so different. More women than men are primary or significant breadwinners. Most families have women as the, um, or dual, dual working parents. They have two working parents. Many families only have one parent and that parent is working. So the the way the family looks has changed dramatically over the last 50 and 100 years. And, and correspondingly, the way that we show up to work is also shifting a lot, but not necessarily in conjunction with parenting. So that's the focus of my work. I look at women in leadership, I look at parenting, and I look at the intersection of parenting and work. Wonderful. And when you say parents, are you deliberately saying parents or or do you have more focus on women, mothers? Do you think that mm. it's do you think that it's 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 problematic for, for both uh both parents? Absolutely. Okay. So we have a focus on pregnancies, so that tends to um, attract a lot more women. Uh, the people who listen to our podcast, the Startup Pregnant Podcast, are 70 or 80% women. And uh, then we have a community platform that's for women only as well through our, through our uh, website, Startup Pregnant. But it's not an issue that only affects women at all. And I go and I speak at companies and I do corporate workshops and trainings to talk about why parental leave is really important for all parents and why we need to look at how the intersection of work and parenting affects everyone. Because when we don't address men and co-parents and husbands and supportive partners and understand the entire dynamic of what families are dealing with, then we don't actually change the way that the world looks. Right, right. I like that because it, it's true. I mean, for me, it's, you know, especially this day and age, I feel that we do have more and more, you know, equal partnership in, 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 in the tasks and the responsibilities at home. So there should be kind of equal concern. Um, it's just, I always feel that, that, that women tend to maybe bear more of that stress or, um, kind of it's, it's, it's on them to cope and not as Mm -hmm. much on the, on the male counterpart, but, um, I'm hoping that that's changing. I hope, you know, I was walking through the airport the other day and I was on my phone and my husband had our one-year-old in the front pack and was carrying the suitcases and had my three and a half year old in his other arm. And I was doing nothing. And someone looked over at me and then they looked at my husband, looked at back at me and they said, wow, fatherhood has changed. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, sorry, I'm just like trying to book our tickets, you know? Um, But I was like, but of course, right? Like it's, 
there are two children and we swap back and forth and there's so I have a very feminist husband and there's a lot of equality um, in our house and a lot of conversation around what does it look like mm-hmm. like how do we manage these humans that require constant supervision and care from some adult somewhere, right? This three-year-old is not going to take himself to school and he tries to feed himself. He can kind of do that successfully. But the other day, like I saw him, he's like, oh, I'm just going to plug this into the outlet. I was like, hey, bud, no, like we can't do that right now. I love that you are, you have so much um, initiative and gumption, but let's talk about what goes into a socket. So, but, but back to the point about women and men, um, Darcy Lockman has an amazing book. It's called All the Rage. And she talks about how when you add a kid to your household, when you get pregnant and then you birth a child or you adopt a child or however the child is comes into your life, both partners tend to see a surge in um, in the amount of work that is added to their workload. Sure. And so it, it's hard to understand that someone's working more or less. But what happens is, in, and I'm going to generalize to heterosexual couples, but the male partner sees a 30% increase in work. And they're like, whoa, there's so much more work. And they're not wrong because there is more work that's being done. But the female um, or the primary caregiver will see a 60% increase in work. And there's this discrepancy that happens, especially because often the pregnant person um, is the load bearer in terms of both birthing, creating the child, and then often breastfeeding, depending on your feeding structure. And they'll say, I feel like I'm working twice as hard as my partner. And they're also correct that they are. They are. They do more of the domestic work at home. And the the co-parent, the spouse, or the traditional husband role doesn't quite understand because their workload has also increased so much. They're like, but I'm doing so much more work. And they're right. They are doing so much more work. It just happens to be that the woman is drowning. Right. Right. So how do you how do you go about kind of relieving that and and, and helping this drowning person? Right. How how do we work with the, the couple or with just our our ideas of, you know, what it is to be working parents? Yeah, I think it's so hard because it's I think sometimes we get into a place where we can pit ourselves against each other and say, well, you're not doing this, you're not doing this. And uh, honestly, the situation is the complicated part. You are you have two people who are doing trying to do full-time jobs or roles that are unsupported by the state or the government because there's no paid leave. There's very limited leave options for people who are employed often. And then you have this full-time job of recovering your physical body if it's after birth and the full-time job of taking care of the human. So you now have three jobs at minimum to juggle between two people. So the first thing that I really want people to hear and I hope people know is that it's not your fault Mm. and you're not wrong for feeling the way that you feel. If you feel overwhelmed and frustrated and stressed out and taxed, like I I hear you and you're not wrong. Like that's, it's really, really challenging. And you're not alone. And you're not alone. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And we haven't really solved this mm-hmm, in our society. Mm-hmm. Like, And it's hard to ask you six weeks postpartum to be like, hey, let's go campaign for paid leave. But some of these issues aren't individual. You're not going to solve them with more self-care. Like you're not going to – like taking a bubble bath is nice, but uh, but we also need to set up 
a better infrastructure. And we're just lagging there right now uh, in terms of supporting women and parents. And access to universal paid family leave, it's important that it's not just parental, but family leave so that like your 11-year-old gets sick or you have to take care of a spouse that is going through chemotherapy or anybody in your family or even your parents. Like there's someone that needs your support and help that you're able to leave a job for three months and not have your entire uh, economic business infrastructure just collapse. They are able to take a pause and then resume without a beat. And those those kinds of structural implementations, those kind of government and systemic support, those are things that we see all over the world in in developed countries. Just it happens that the United States isn't doing it. Right. Yes. So what can families in the U.S. who are kind of, you know, dealing with this situation, how can they take good care of their own family? Yeah. So a couple of things. Like the first thing is, um, this is really hard for ambitious and driven people to hear, but it's okay to lower your standards for a year or two. Like it's okay to, let's say you running a successful business and you are growing year over year and then you take a slight loss or you just stay steady. Remember that staying steady in business in the year that you decided to grow, create a human, keep them alive, add like caretaking to your schedule, do all the work that it takes to bring a human to life, you're doing an amazing job. And lower your standards for everything. Like, do you shower once a week? You're doing a great job. Like, do you eat like do you eat like the leftovers from your kid? You're doing a good enough job. Like, do you like get six hours of sleep and sometimes you get a three-hour nap? Like, amazing. You're doing a phenomenal job, right? Like, just do the best you can and realize that these, especially the early years for zero to three, there isn't you're not we're not trying to be glowing shimmering shining stars and the best of the best and that idea or that myth of being the perfect parent or like this beautiful ceo that gets their body back that bounces back that has a perfect partnership that it's not out there and, no, that is, and that it's, is, yeah, that's photoshopped Instagram. Don't don't believe a word. Photoshopped of it. Instagram. <laughs> don't believe a word of it. Yeah. Like that's not that's reality. Right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. 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 So 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 really having grace for yourself and and and, and grace. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and having that know, compassion. Mm-hmm. If I can add another thing, I would say like getting really clear. If you can, it might not be clear. You might be fuzzy headed. Um, or bleary eyed, but just allowing yourself to drop things that don't matter, to have a things that you don't do list. And by that, I mean, you know, sometimes people will say like, oh, I don't cook dinner, I order dinner, which is fine if you have the economic means, but I know that that's not available to everyone. So one, like in our household, some of the things my husband and I decided to do, we, uh, we decided that we just wouldn't, we're not going out at night for the first couple of years. It never was productive. We like going to bed super early. We put our kids to bed around 7.30. We get in bed at 8.30 because they get up by five or six. So we just get in bed early. And when we get invited to dinner invitations, we say, hey, we've got young kids. Dinner parties really wreak havoc in our lives. But if you want to come over for brunch on Saturday or Sunday, let us know. And that's it. We just know dinners. And it's also really helped us with costs because dinners out can be pretty expensive. Mm -hmm. So 
We And instead, I've got a slow cooker and we do a lot of rice and beans in our house. Like we eat boring meals. And that's one of those choices where we said, hey, it's, it, it's less about luxury and it's more about sanity where you're like, what's going to keep us sane? Getting sleep. And so we just, we're boring and we try to go to bed early. Yeah. Well, that, that makes total sense though, because, you know, boring is good. Like doing less is actually good for, for, for what, for that season. Like it's not, it doesn't, that's what I try to remind parents. It's like, it's not forever. This is just temporary. This is just part of the, the, the season of parenting that you're in, right? The, like you say, the first three years, and those first three years are, are, you know, critical for our children. So let's be there for them in, in a saner way. So I, I like that. And I like that you're, you're not saying no to social life. You're just, you know, altering it for, for a moment in time. You know, that's exactly right. It's not forever. It's we're going to blink. It's just three years. We've done lots of things for three years. You like maybe you trained for a marathon or maybe you went to college, right? Or maybe you were an entry level employee. There's lots of times in our lives when we we focus on something for a couple of years. And the little ones, they take so much in terms of time and energy that like doing my job and doing my parenting and getting sleep, that's that's about all. That's a full plate. That's as much as I can handle. Um, we did start doing uh, occasionally we do Friday night dinner, but the way that we do it, because I live in New York City, everybody goes out late, right? They have like these eight o'clock and nine o'clock dinners. I just laugh. But I tell people, I say, leave your job early on Friday. Come over for happy hour. We'll cook like a big soup at 5 p.m. and you'll help us put the kids to bed. And then at 7.30, we're going to kick you out. You can still make your next dinner if you don't have kids. Like you can still go out for your next one. We are not leaving the house. We're going to bed. Oh, that's perfect. Great way of doing that. And and you give them the appreciation of putting children to bed. So that's wonderful. <laughs> I usually, I'm like, here, take Henry. And they're like holding a baby. And they're like, what do I do? I'm like, you're just there because I'm putting the three-year-old to bed now. <laughs> yeah, no, that's perfect. And you, you, yeah. you're building your village and your community. That's, that's wonderful. It's a wonderful way of doing it. Yeah. Um, what have you uh, kind of, you know, in the work that you've been doing and, and I'm sure kind of the, the research and in, in why we're not where we should be as a developed country taking care of our families. What has been kind of some maybe discoveries or revelations that you've had in in trying to figure that piece of the puzzle? Ooh, this is a big question. Um, and oh, I don't, I'm trying to figure out where to begin um, without going too far down the like political rabbit hole. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's true. I mean, it's true. And and I'm sorry, it does, it can be pretty political. I just, yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I guess, you know, I, I've come, I'm a dual citizen. So I, mm-hmm. I had my first child in France and then my second one here in the U S in, in San Diego. And boy, oh boy, was it a different experience in just, yeah. And just the, the, the prenatal care and the postpartum care and just uh, people's attitude of, you know, when you are pregnant and such. Um, and then, you know, we in France, we actually have three months of paid leave um, after our child is born and five weeks prior so that you're not working until, you know, you st- your first contraction. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> and, yes, and, which and, is so important. It is. It is. I mean, oh my gosh, you know, birthing is, is you got to be prepared. You got to be rested for it. It's, it's, it's running a marathon, right? So you, you need to prep for it. Um, but do yeah. you, so, 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 okay. So let's change that question. Maybe well, more like, are you seeing changes? Are you seeing awareness? Like, is there, mm-hmm. are we going in the right direction? That's so interesting. So I will, let's, we can open the rabbit hole a little okay, bit with okay. questions. Yeah. Um, the, and I, I'm excited about the second question too, but to back up a little, I think the problem is how deeply ingrained sexism is in our everyday waking society to the point that we're not really aware of it. And mm. it's hard for people to see. But we have these deeply held beliefs that men should be the primary breadwinners and that they have a certain duty and responsibility to their family, that family should look a certain way, that um, the role of a wife is a very particular thing. And I don't think that we have adequately looked at what it means and how it can be harmful to, it's not just women, it's men, right? Because men aren't necessarily the primary breadwinners and men don't have enough friends and are increasingly lonely and isolated in this society. And I don't think that we have connected the dots enough in terms of how harmful this is for everyone. And then the repercussions on what it means for our children. Like Mm -hmm. when we grow up in this world where we don't know, like, what does it look like to be a man and have emotions and enjoy your work and live with your family and take care of your family and provide for them in completely different ways than we've historically taught. That's really, it's just, we have a lot of reckoning to do with what it looks like to be um, adults and citizens and to maybe also fight the like hyper independent nature, the like the Protestant work ethic, the I made it on my own, the like nobody else helped me, entrenched dynamic of our culture. And I think both of those things, the the sexism, the patriarchy, the classism even, um, but also the like, the um, I won't accept help from other anyone else. I'm going to make it on my own. All of these things conspire to make the nuclear family extremely isolated, that we don't have the village anymore. And, and then what happens is that it gets, it's really, uh, it's really convoluted and it's almost invisible, but then you end up seeing these things like, well, I'm not going to provide parental leave be- in my company because the woman is going to want, she wants to be a mom, right? Like mm-hmm. there are these default assumptions and there's this, it's called benevolent sexism where you don't realize that you're upholding all these these b- beliefs, but you end up acting a little ways like, oh, I'm not going to promote the woman because she's going to become a mom and she's going to want to leave. So it's not strategic for my business. So all these little tiny things happen and it ends up being deeply problematic for all of us collectively. Yeah, That's yeah. my like overview of that. Um, but then in terms of like where the positive sides of making change, what I find most exciting is that women entrepreneurs, the people that I tend to work with the most, are the ones that have connected all the dots. And they say, wait a second, this isn't my fault. Like, this is nuts. I'm going to start a company and I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to create flexible work policies. I'm going, my employees are going to work 20 to 25 hours a week. We're going to have paid parental leave. You're going to be able to take extra time off. And I am going to be one of the most competitive employees there is. And and one of the women that, that I work with um, just landed two and a half million dollars of business with Microsoft, and she employs forty working parents 
on her staff and they all work flex time. And she's like, this is the future of work and we're not going to wait for existing companies to catch up to speed. We're going to build it. And that's what I think is so exciting. That's beautiful. And, and, and the, the women leaders in that are, are, are amazing because it's true. I mean, it's, it's going to have to change from, from within, right? From within the family, from where we, where it's all lacking, Love that. Yeah. Yeah. And men want this too, right? Oh, like, of course. This, yeah. this isn't a, this isn't for people listening. Like, I think there's a false dichotomy. And, and my husband and his boss, they both, like, his boss used to come home at 3 p.m. just so he could be with his kids. And my husband shifted his work hours so that he could end at four because he's like, I, I don't mind if they do after school activities for an hour, but I want to be home with, like, why did I have kids if I don't get to see them? Exactly. And he, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Wonderful. And when you, you when we first started, you were talking about startups, right? So mm-hmm. that's where maybe, you know, as as a startup owner or we're working for a startup, we're going to be really invested in in kind of birthing that business, right? So yeah. how have you found, you know, what like what helpful tools or or strategies have you been able to develop for maybe those young parents who are either working for a startup or who want to start a business themselves? Mm, In terms of parenting or in terms of business? Well, in terms more, I guess, of, of parenting, because for me, when you're starting a family, it's kind of like starting a startup, right? You're, you've, yeah. you've got these two startups going simultaneously. Right. So right. like, how do you, how do you juggle that? Like, you know, what, what, like, what is your advice maybe for a new parent who's listening, who's got a business idea, and yet they are also starting a family? Like, what, mm. would, what, what advice would you give them? Yeah. So I think the first thing is that you you can't do it all yourself. Um, There is still a widespread myth of like, oh, I'll have a baby and then I'll just build my business while the baby's at home. And you may be able to get away with that for three months. And that's when your baby is three to six months old and they behave like a potted plant and you can put them down and they stay where they are. Once your baby is mobile, it will not work. (laughs) There's like a short window of a sweet spot that most people miss, especially with with your first baby. And this is like if your baby... Is, is figuring out sleeping and eating and if they've been born full term, right? Like there's so many more complications and not all babies are like this. But you might have a short window where you're like, oh, my baby plays with his little like mobile and I was able to type and you think that it's going to be that way. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. You need paid help or family help or um, it just parenting's a full-time job. It is. And so is working. And figuring out how to do them together with someone else, like you need help as a CEO. You're not going to run the entire business by yourself. And as a parent, it's really challenging to do it all by yourself. And whether that's school or meeting with um, other people for play dates or hiring a mother's helper or doing part-time daycare or whatever it is that you do to, or, or, you know, having grandparents that watch the kid on the weekends and that's when you do your work, they're not going to happen at the same time. Um, so that's, I think, just something that I, I I really see a lot of people head into parenting thinking that it's not going to change their lives very much. And 
I want to level set expectations and like this is one, this is a huge job that you're taking on yeah. and it's okay for your life to to radically shift. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. just and just to me, I mean what I heard also is just be accepting of, you know, the situation and also just ask for help. Like mm. be okay with understanding that you cannot do this alone. Uh, yeah. You know, and I, it's something that I repeat often is parenting was never meant to be done alone. So, uh, you know, let alone start a new business. So that's right. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll say the next thing for, um, for the relationship between parenting and business is um, that we don't spend enough time in the learning curve period. Most people think that they're going to have a business idea and then instantly uh, have product market success or find their right fit. And instead, the reality is, and especially with startups, is that it may take a year just to learn and iterate and pivot. And you're going to be testing, you're going to be trying, you're going to be getting customer feedback, and you're going to be going through a cycle where it takes a while for you to uh, experiment and test and tweak until you find something that works. And I say that because the same is true with parenting. So many people go in thinking that when the baby arrives that they will somehow skip the learning curve part of things. And it is a very steep learning curve. doesn't mean it's good or bad. It just re- – like the way you get good at diapers is by doing a 1,000 of them or 2,000 of them. And the way you learn your babies cry is by having them cry a 1,000 or 2,000 times. Right? It just takes time. There's nothing wrong with you. You weren't flawed. There's no instinct thing that you're missing. The only thing that helps is – slowly over time, you get to know this person that you've just met and you start to learn their patterns and behaviors. You try things out and you see if it works. And that's how you end up with a six-month-old and you're like, hey, if I like swish back and forth like an airplane and I make this crazy vibrating sound, they fall asleep. And you're the parent like on a carpet being like, and you're like, but they fall asleep when they do this, but I can't stop bouncing, right? It's just how you get there. Yeah, yeah. But it takes a while. And if you're four to six weeks in, even six months in, and you're like like peering up out of a dark hole being like, what have I gotten into? This is so hard and I have no idea what I'm doing. You're just – you're like in the learning curve and it's really hard. And you're not wrong for being there and reach out and ask for help because we've all felt a little crazy there. Yes. Yes, definitely. Definitely. I, I, I like that. The, the idea of just, you know, surrounding yourself with, with support is so important. Um, now, just to kind of wrap things up, I, I do like to ask a more personal question, if I may. Sure. And you said your eldest was three and a half. So if you were to go back maybe four years, um, so not, not that far back, but yeah. um, when you were expecting your first uh, child, what wise words would you tell yourself knowing what you know today? Hmm. You know, so I, when I got pregnant with my first kid, I, we, I have always wanted to get pregnant. I've always known that I wanted to become a parent and I, uh, talked a lot about it with my partner, and then we got pregnant pretty quickly, which surprised me. But what surprised me more was when I found out I was pregnant, I didn't feel what I f- thought I was going to feel. I thought mm. I would be excited and overjoyed, like it was finally happening, this thing that I'd wanted. 
And I was, I was in shock and a little depressed. Mm. Um, and I was overwhelmed and I was scared because I think I realized that my life as I knew it was ending. Like mm-hmm. my independence that I'd had for all of my 20s and early 30s, the career freedom, even the relationship with my partner. I was thrust into a kind of mourning slash depression and I, I was so heavy hearted about it. My husband was really concerned about me and he said, you know, we don't have to have kids mm. if, you, if we don't want to. And I said, that's not what's happening. I want this kid, but I'm having these feelings. Um, and I was not prepared at all for how overwhelming and isolating and lonely I would feel. Not just – I'd heard of postpartum depression. I'd never heard of pregnancy depression. Mm-hmm. And I wish I'd seen a therapist sooner. And I wish I'd heard from more moms sooner about like just – how hard it is and how hard it can be and how hard it can affect you in different periods. Like it, it just really threw me for a loop. And I felt, I felt really sad and alone too, because I worked with so many men who hadn't had kids yet. They were younger than me and just didn't seem to understand what I was going through. And so I just, I felt so overwhelmed. And that's one of the reasons why I started the podcast and interviewing people. So I'm grateful for what it led to, but I wish I'd had more mentors and more friends and more women who were really honest about like how challenging it is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, thank you for sharing that because I think that's really important for our listeners to be hearing because it's true that, you know, we might not know what to expect or we, like you said, you know, you had certain expectation of being, you know, so, so ecstatic and all of this. And, and, hormones play a huge role and and uh you know pregnancy depression is you know is definitely something to be mindful of and to be careful of because it does uh it does happen i used to actually work on a uh warm line which is mm. uh kind of a call in for the postpartum health alliance oh, and, cool. and 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 there were you know quite a few women or you know partners that would call in because they were concerned of of what you just expressed of like you know she's not herself she's sad she's depressed and um so it's it's more common than we than we talk about it so thank you for that because it is very mm-hmm. important um very important so um as we wrap up any parting words that you would like to leave our listeners with yeah i mean it, despite all of the foreboding things that i've said right like <laughs> um that it can be really challenging and it's overwhelming and there's not enough support i i I hate to be cheesy, but it, to me, it's been unbelievably worth it. And it makes me even even more um, dedicated to changing the status quo and uh, advocating for women and advocating for parents and creating a future of work like that really works for parents. And it's one of our core tenets, one of my personal philosophies is like, we don't have to do things the way they've always been done. We do have agency to change things. And um, we should go out there and try to make the world uh, a little bit different, and a little bit better based on our experience and our experiments. And thank you. And thank you for, for the work that you're doing, because you're doing just that. Just bringing awareness is, is wonderful. Thank you. And, and how can our um, audience learn more about you? And I know that you have a, a free download that you wanted to share as well. 
Yes. So I, uh, the company Startup Pregnant is at startuppregnant.com and we're on Instagram as um, at Startup Pregnant. And then if you want to find out about me, I have a website, sarahkpeck.com and I'm on Instagram and Twitter as at sarahkpeck. Although I'm not on there much, it's one of those things that I have reduced by being a parent. I just don't have enough time and social media is not the top of the list. Um, (laughs) It's just not. I get to the end of the day and I want to go to sleep. Um, And I can't, my brain cannot keep up with it. It just gets too noisy. Yeah. But uh, then one of the things that I do, if you can't tell by listening, I love geeking out about things. And so what I have read hundreds of pregnancy and parenting and feminism books. And I put my top 58 um, pregnancy-related and parenting-related books into a reader called The Pregnancy Reading List. And I write a summary, just a short one, of each book and like who I think it's for and why I think it's useful. So people are welcome to get that. It's free, The Pregnancy Reading List. Um, do you want me to tell you the URL now or do you no, want to just put it in the show yeah, notes? Yeah, I'll just put it in the show notes. And, and, and I just... Thank you for that, because that that is going to be very helpful. And and I love that you've kind of summarized it, because when you said 58, I'm like, I'm not reading 58 books, but at least, (laughs) you know, you can pick and choose what resonates. So that's wonderful. I read them all, so you don't have to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Sarah. (laughs) You're welcome. Oh, perfect. Well, this has been a delightful conversation. And really, I want to thank you for taking uh, time out of your busy schedule to be here with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Have you been searching for the owner's manual to your child or did you just misplace it? Are you tired of trying to figure out this whole parenting puzzle, not knowing what to do when it comes to tantrums, hitting or biting, sibling rivalry, potty training, proper sleep habits, or just plain wanting a better relationship with your child? You know, I've been at this for a while now and wanted to share my own parenting manual. It's called The Parenting School, and I've created it with you in mind. Give your child and yourself the gift of mindful parenting in just a few short weeks and discover all the tools you'll ever need to parent without losing your patience, giving in, or worrying that you're messing up. If you're yearning to be more patient and present with your child while finding balance in your own life, then you already know that you need effective parenting tools and ongoing support. You know you weren't meant to be raising children alone, and you probably already know that having the right parenting tools during moments of conflict is the key to staying grounded, responding with empathy, and strengthening your parent-child relationship. You've probably sensed that you'd be a more confident parent if you had a like-minded community supporting and encouraging you. Your skills have gotten you this far, but most days you still feel like you're making it up as you go. So here's what I've got for you. Reliable parenting principles that will allow you to finally set boundaries you can confidently uphold, communicate effectively with your child, Declutter your home to enhance your child's independence, learning, and family harmony. And find more time to do the things you love. This is what the parenting school is all about. During this digital parenting course, you'll get weekly modules with lessons focused on key areas to get you where you want to be. 
These modules come packed full of video tutorials, journal prompts, actionable activities, expert interviews, and more, as well as weekly Lifeline group mentoring calls where I answer your questions personally, plus a virtual village with like-minded parents supporting each other during this deep-dive parenting intensive. I'll also include some extra special bonuses to keep you inspired and motivated along the way. So if this sounds too good to be true and you're ready to up-level your parenting skills as well as your family's well-being, head on over to The Parenting School at voilamontessori.com slash TPS dash enroll. That's TPS for The Parenting School dash enroll. To learn more about the, all the benefits of this fabulous interactive digital course I've created just for you. And by the way, I've also added the link in the show notes for you. Looking forward to supporting you and your family. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Art of Parenting. And if you did, please make sure to share it with your loved ones. I'd also be grateful for a review on iTunes so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.